Hey, this is Pastor Madison. I am so excited that you're tuning in today to the Crosspoint Podcast. My prayer is that this word inspires you, uplifts you, and enlightens you. You can connect with Movement Youth on Instagram at movement underscore youth or the Point College Ministry at the Point College. Let's jump into the message. Well, Movement Youth, I have missed you. It seems like it's been a while since we had just a regular service, right? I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. We had fun with you packing meals a couple weeks ago, but I'm really excited to be back tonight. Uh, We've only got two more youth services of 2022 after tonight. So we got next week, and then we have our Christmas party, and then you guys are on Christmas break for a couple weeks, but then we're back. So make sure the 7th next week, it's already December 7th, and then the 14th, get get your butt here, get your friend's butts here, all right, it's going to be a good time. And also, when you were out on, you know, your Thanksgiving break and all that, I hope you got a chance to talk to some family and friends about the one in a thousand challenge. You've got two weeks, all right? Everybody say two weeks until the miracle offering, okay? So be, be telling people about it. And then that, that Wednesday, December 14th, you can bring all of your money. But I did want to highlight a couple of people who are doing the one in a thousand challenge that are sticking with it. Uh, Drew Voorhees, he is doing a thousand word sermon. How cool is that? Very creative. And he's going to be giving it next week. I don't think he knows that, but he's going to be. So that's awesome. And then Amelia Sampson, she did a ice cream Sunday, um, like social thing on the Meals from the Heartland night, she did it up at the Snack Shack, and she raised over $200. And then Drake and his friends did a bake sale, uh, like, what, three or four weeks ago now, and they raised over $200. And tonight, I know Eve and all of her Clarksville girls are doing another bake sale, so be sure to check that out. Callie Pletz is making and selling Christmas ornaments. How cool is that? That's awesome. And I also want to inform you, that I am at 756 burpees. I'm so close. Tyler is behind. He is behind me, but he is going to get it as well. And we're going to finish the 1,000, and then we're going to donate $1,000 to Speed the Light. So the remind, reminder is that uh, $15,000 for the year is our goal. Okay, 15000 for the year for Speed the Light. Um, so with the word, and you know, with the phrase Speed the Light, how many of you actually know what light is. Can you just by a show of hands, how many of you know what, when I say speed the light, what that light is? Okay, only a few. Okay, that light, which we're going to talk about, that light, speeding the light, is the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the light. It's speeding the light of Jesus Christ, the gospel message, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down in the flesh live an extraordinarily ordinary life. He taught us how to live, and then he was hung on a cross to die for our sins, but then three days later, he rose from the dead. That right there, that is the gospel message, and that is the light that we are trying to speed throughout the entire world, okay? So speeding the light means we got to take it to all ends of the earth, but here's the truth right here. You're either fighting for or you're fighting against speeding the light, okay? You're either speeding the light or you're slowing it down. And tonight, we're going to talk about that light. We're going to talk about who you are. We're going to talk about why that's important. And then we're going to talk about what you can do about it, who you are, why it's important, and what you can do about it. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for every single one of these students that are in here. It's not by accident that they're here tonight to hear this word. 
So I just pray that they're receptive, God. I pray that um, I would I would just let you work through me, and I would step out of the way, and you just do what you want to do, and I'll, I'll give you all the glory, all the praise, and uh, we're just we're expecting you to move mightily tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so a few years ago, it was right when I was out of high school, I took a group of students to a church camp that was kind of nearby here, and during that summer, for some reason, there was just one word, one word that I just felt like was really being pressed upon my heart, just over and over and over, just this pressing, this pressing, this pressing of this one word, and that word was the word light. And a lot of the times, you know, I've had some of you ask me, how do you hear the voice of God? Like, I don't understand how some people can hear the voice of God. A lot of the times, it's like, it's like a gut check. It's like a nudge. It's this, like, constant pressing of something he's trying to tell you. It's just constantly, it runs through your mind. Like, that is the voice of God. And so when I had this word, this word light, I did not understand why. Like, I had no idea why, why this word was in my mind all the time. So every single day... During that whole summer, I would say, hey, God, just just help me to be a light. Show me how you want me to be the light. And so I started praying about it. I started journaling about it. And we went to this church camp, and there came this night where there was this big bonfire, and a pastor came out, and he was, he was praying, and he said, all right, now we're going to break out and have you guys pray for each other. So I want you to, you know, just go find somebody and pray for them. And this little boy, he was probably like six or seven years old, he came up to me, he tapped me on the shoulder, never met him before. And he said, hey, can I, can I pray with you? And I was like, absolutely, yeah. So, so we walked off, and I prayed over him. You know, that was great. And it came to his turn, and he had his little hands folded and his little eyes closed. And he said, Father God, thank you so much for bringing What's your name again? Because he didn't even know me. I said Madison. He said, thank you so much for bringing Madison into my life today. When I look at her and all around her, I just see these radiant beams of light. Thank you for these beautiful minutes and moments with Madison. That was crazy. And then I went home, and a a couple weeks later, my mom was in the kitchen, and I walked in, and she just kind of, like, looked up and looked at me. And she said, did you, did you post something recently? And I had posted some writings, and I said, I think, I mean, maybe. She said, well, I ran into this woman at the grocery store. It was somebody who used to work at my um, high school. And she said she came across what you posted, and when she saw the post, she just saw light. And this woman was, like, crying in the grocery store. She was so moved by it. So that word, light. It was just a word. It was just a pressing, and that's what God did with it that summer. And in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, this is going to be like what we're going to look at throughout this entire message, okay? In Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16, it says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And here's the deal. Too many people are trying to figure out who they are, and they are so overcomplicating it. They are making it way too complicated. Because they're putting their identities into what people call them. So so-and-so's girlfriend. 
a football player, a wrestler, the valedictorian, a straight-A student, a business major, whatever it is. And we want to make those things who we are, but those things, they are not your primary purpose. And if your primary purpose is always tied to something worldly, I can just tell you right now, you might, you know, have a high sometimes, you know, this euphoric moment that's just awesome, but you will never be truly satisfied if your identity is always tied to the temporary worldly things. So what I want to tell you tonight is your primary purpose, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, is to be the light of the world. That's your primary purpose. And so that means reflecting who Jesus is everywhere you go, reflecting the love of Jesus, showing the love of Jesus to other people because you are the light of the world. That's just who you are. And here's the deal. God is not looking for impressive people. Sometimes we, we look at those things like, oh, so-and-so's girlfriend, oh, this accomplishment, oh, this title, oh, this whatever, and we think that we have to, like, work for love, whether it be from God or other people. God's not looking for all these check boxes. He's looking for ordinary people that he can do impressive things through. That's what he wants. So having light, being the light, is not something you can earn. It's not something that you deserve. Okay, you don't check off these boxes. Once you accept Jesus into your heart, that is just simply who you are. So whether you think you are or you, you're not, whether you see it or you don't, it says a town built on a hill, it can't be hidden. So you're the light if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So now we're going to answer the question. I told you what you are. I said you are a light. Now we're going to talk about why that's important. Why, why are we the light of the world? Why did Jesus tell us that? What is the importance of being light? Okay, the reason why God makes us light is because there is a world of darkness that needs it. That's simple, but it's true. But if our Christianity, if how we live our lives, if all that does is imitate darkness, we have nothing to show the world that's of value. You can't affect the world for Jesus by becoming like the world, okay? And so as I was writing this message all about light, this song came on in the office as I was writing, and it was literally called Let the Light In. And so I looked up the lyrics so I could read through them, and one of the lines caught my attention. And it said this. It said, thought I was safe here in the dark, but now I know I can trust your heart. Lord, all I really want is your presence. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you are afraid of the dark? Be honest. How many of you are afraid of the dark? Okay. I think, I think there was like, I don't even remember the percentage. A lot of people, surprisingly, um, in the world are actually afraid of the dark. It's because the dark makes you insecure, right? Because you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what's hiding in your closet or hiding under the bed. And when you're in the dark, you can start to think up these made-up stories or scenarios in your mind that they're not that aren't real, okay? So it can increase your anxiety. It can make your palms sweat, get your heart to beat out of your chest a little bit. In the house that I grew up in, my room was upstairs. My sister has it now. And there was no light until you got to the room. And there was quite a, a you know, a long hallway to get there. So I remember I, when I was younger and I had to go upstairs, I would go up the stairs and I'd have a whole wall, hallway of darkness until I could get to my room. And I would just, and then I would flip on the light as soon as I got in. Because your mind can just make up these scenarios and these stories, I would just imagine somebody jumping out at me. But the question that I want to propose is that if 
if the darkness is so scary, why are you living in something that you're afraid of? Because the lyric literally said, thought I was safe here in the dark. You know, sometimes the darkness gives this illusion that it's safe. It's absolutely terrifying, yet we can find comfort in it. So it seems safer to just sit in your bed with the covers over your head than it does to run to your room and or run to the light switch and flip it on. It seems safer to do that. And this whole world that we're living in is living in sin. It's living in darkness. So sometimes the darkness seems safe, even though it's terrifying. So it seems safer to not open up about your parents' divorce or your anxious thoughts instead of shedding light on it and talking through it. It seems safer to wear the long sleeves so that people can't see how you've harmed yourself instead of dealing with it. It seems safer to just send him what he wants instead of being truthful and honest and ending that toxic relationship. It seems safer to change your gender to match your feelings than it is to face the truth and break through temporary feelings. You may think that you're safe in the dark, but when you live in it, you are in the most danger that you have ever been in. When you're in the darkness of the world, you're the most insecure you have ever been. And that right there is why we need the light. That is why we need the light. In that passage, I said, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Let me ask you this. When you guys turn on a lamp, when you guys turn on a lamp, do you, um, do you put a bowl over it? I know. It sounds like, like dog water, right? It's just, you just don't do that. It would be silly for me to take this bowl, <laughs> metaphoric bowl, and just hide this lamp. Because I bought that lamp. I paid for that lamp. That's a nice lamp. I love the lamp because it has the ability to shine. I love that lamp because of the purpose that it has to make any room brighter, to make any room better. It's mine. So it seems silly that I want to hide it. Do you know that that's what Jesus says about you? That's what he thinks about you? Because he paid a lot for you. He bought you with his blood when he died for you. He loves you. He loves the ability that you have to shine. He loves the purpose that he has given you to bright up any room to make it any, any place better. And he thinks it's silly when you try to hide the light that he has put within you. And we hide it with a lot of things. We hide it with a lot of worldly things. We hide it with insecurity. We hide the light with trying to fit in. We hide the light by trying to earn love. We hide our light by not talking about Jesus, not standing up for him. We, we hide our light by gossiping about other people. We, we hide the light by hurting ourselves by putting things on our bodies and in our bodies that we never should, by, by posting things to get attention. And, you know, I'm sure this lamp right here, it knows. It knows that it has light. Like, it's aware. Yeah, you know, inside that little, that little encasement, that little bowl, it probably thinks it's shining. A lot of us know Jesus. We know who he is, but it is not enough to just know Jesus. It's not enough to, to know that we have light. we got to shine his light to other people. So being the light of the world does not mean that we're just light receivers. We are also light givers. 
we got to have a greater concern than just ourselves all the time. We can't live only for ourselves. Too many people are complaining about the darkness of this world, and not enough people are doing something about it. Do you know that by the time I'm done giving this message, just this short little message, 2,000 people will have died never knowing Jesus. Every single minute, 108 people. Two people every second will have died without knowing Jesus. What are you going to do about it? Because a lot of you stood up, you know, four weeks ago, whatever, five weeks ago, and you said, I'm going to do the one in a thousand challenge to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I wonder how many are actually sticking with it and doing it to speak the light of Jesus. And then I hope that you're doing it for the right reasons. Because in verse 16, it says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. Get this, and glorify your Father in heaven. It's to glorify him, not yourself. It's not to get a pat on the back. And here is the thing that I really, really want you to get. The best life to live is a life that you cannot take credit for. The best life to live is a life that you can't take credit for. You have to say it's only Jesus. It's only because Jesus is working through me. There's no way that I could do this on my own. I don't want the credit. I'm, I'm not shining to get others to look at me. I don't have a light so that others look at me. I have a light so that they can see Jesus. For those of you that went to camp this summer, we had a speaker. His name is John Zick. And John Zick, he got this, you know, this time with just the pastors, just the leaders, the people that were there, you know, watching the students. He got this short amount of time with us. And he says, yeah, my Instagram, if you go on it, I speak all over the world. I speak to big crowds and big conferences. But if you go on my Instagram, you won't see pictures of me on a platform. You won't see pictures of me with a microphone in my hand on a stage. Because the last thing that I want the thing I am not interested in is for students to idolize that. For students to say, wow, I really admire that platform. I admire that glory. I admire that, that praise, that fame. I want that. Because there are too many people who are using God just to glorify themselves. But the goal is not to have people know you. The goal is to have people know him. So the best life to live is a life that you cannot take credit for. And if you went to a live conference in February of this year, Noah Heron, one of the speakers, he said that he spent a lot of money, pretty much everything he had to fly out to this conference with all this, um, like this communicating, pastoring, uh, leadership training. And it was this guy that he admired so much. He looked up to him so much. And so he was so excited, and he was sitting in this room with all these other people around, and they were waiting for this big, big pastor to come in and give them all these notes and all these lessons. And the pastor came in late, and he looked like he had been weeping. And he came up to the front, and he set his Bible down. And he was just silent. You could tell his eyes were puffy. And he said, how many of you in this room, by a show of hands, can honestly say that you fed one person who was hungry in the past two weeks? And nobody raised their hand. He said, by a show of hands, how many of you can say that you prayed with one person who needed healing that wasn't in your altar call on a stage? And no one could raise their hand. He said, by a show of hands, how many of you in this room have told just one person about Jesus without doing it up on a platform? And no one could raise their hand. And that pastor just started weeping. And he looked at all of them and he said, me neither. 
And I think that's the problem when you walk out. And Noah Heron said something very profound that has stuck with me that night. He said, too many of us are shining a light in an already lit room. Darkness is not our greatest opposition as followers of Jesus. It is our greatest opportunity. So he said that, and, and that really stuck with me. It's not enough to just stand up here for me with a microphone and tell you about Jesus, okay? I need to ask myself, am I telling people, am I inviting them to church when I'm at the dentist? When I went to U.S. Cellular and I got my new iPhone, did I tell the guy about our Christmas production? It's not enough to come here on a Wednesday night, guys. It's not. I hate to be hard on you, but I, I also don't hate it because there's more to this. This is, this is a lit room, and this is amazing. But youth group sometimes can get boring, and you can start to be unsatisfied if you are not shining your light out to a dark world and bringing them in to know Jesus Christ. It's harder to shine a light in a dark place, but it is the most impactful when you do. Kaylee and Amelia were in this afternoon, and they were helping me set up all the Christmas stuff. And, all, you know, we had the lights on as we were decorating, and then we turned the light off in that small group room, and I was like, man, it's so much prettier in the dark. The Christmas tree is just, is just more vibrant. It's more radiant. And I'm just telling you, if you really want to really shine the light of Christ, you're going to have to go to some dark places. You're going to have to interact with some dark people sometimes. And Micah Mack, he preached at Fall Conference a couple weeks ago, and he said he was at a park. And he, sa- he didn't know any of these, these kids that he saw, but he said there was a group of, of teenagers just joking around with each other at this park. And he said he overheard them, and one of the guys in that circle was bragging about how he lost his virginity. And so he was bragging about this, and Micah Mack was just hearing it and kind of keeping to himself. And this, this kid called Micah Mack over, not knowing him, and he's like, hey, come over here. Micah Mack went over there. And he said, so lost my virginity. What do you think about that? Micah Mack was like, wow, that's crazy, man. And the guy was like, well, well, what do you think? And all of them started asking, well, what do you think about that? And Micah Mack just looked at him, and, and, and he said, what do you think love is? And they started saying, well, you know, it's just like how you feel, like if you really, really like somebody, and they're mumbling. And then they said, Micah, what do you think? What do you think love is? And Micah Mack started to share with them the love of Jesus. For God so loved the world. And the kid who lost his virginity said, stop. And Mike Mack was like, I'm just, and he said, no, stop. I went to an amusement park earlier today, this kid. And this guy was handing out these, these booklets about the love of God. And I said, God, if you're real, I need you to, to show up. I need you to tell me that your love is real. And now here you are telling me about the love of God. And every single one of those teenagers in that circle gave their life to Jesus Christ right in that moment. 
that is shining a light in a dark place. See, I'm not impressed with people like Micah Mack who can get up on a stage and talk about Jesus and only do that. I am impressed by people who can shine their light in the darkness. You guys are gonna impact the world around you in one way or another. Whether you think that you have that kind of value or you don't, you're going to. You are either gonna speed the light or you're gonna slow it down. So this whole week, your whole life, I want you to ask yourself that question in all situations. Am I speeding the light or am I slowing it down? And I, there's some things that I have to be careful about sharing so I don't want you to you t- to take one thing and twist it, but I'm just telling you that there has been some major things in my life where I have not sped the light, where I have slowed it down majorly. But there's also been times, because God's a good God, because he's a redemptive God, because he's a forgiving God, where he has allowed me to still speed that light and to shine that light, even though I have messed up majorly in the past. And so as I was reflecting on this, when I, when I was in sixth grade, I was sitting at this table with my sixth grade teacher. He's like a 50 or 60 something year old man, a grown man. And I was sitting at the table with my mom to my right and a student teacher to my left, it was this young girl. And with tears in his eyes, he looked me square in the face, weeping. And he said, don't, you ever change. Don't you ever change. And that has stuck with me because he saw a light and I didn't even know it. He saw something in me and I didn't even know it. When I was in college, I had this professor who had different beliefs than me. I honestly thought that she didn't like me and everybody would try to win her over and and go to her office and suck up to her and just kind of absorb themselves and into what she believed and what she thought. And I was just me. And I stuck to my beliefs. I stuck to who I was. And like I said, I didn't even think that she liked me. But my senior year, we had this award ceremony with all of our parents and all the students in that major in the room. And she called me up to, to receive this award. And as she was handing me this award, she started weeping and saying how much of an impact that I made in her life and how much she was going to miss me. This was someone that I thought kind of despised me in class. She saw a light and I had no idea. Then fast forward my first job out of college. It felt it felt like a, a dark place. It felt like I was truly in the darkness. And this guy that I worked with, I thought he would be the last person to want to know Jesus Christ. He seemed like he had some major issues. But he said he came across a writing online that I did, and he emailed me, and he said that it it changed him, and it's exactly what he needed. He saw a light, and I had no idea. I got a random message one time from somebody, and this is what they said. They they said, I want to tell you what a blessing your message was to me today. I have been going through a dark and hard time, and even though I daily try to focus on the positive and what God has has done for me, your message came to me from someone else, and it was exactly what I needed at the exact moment to lift me out of extreme darkness. Thank you so very much for your literal life-saving words. I'm not telling you all these things to glorify myself. 
that I told you I've messed up majorly in the past. I'm sharing these things to glorify the Lord. Tyler and I took a date. We had a day date. We call it a D-A-Y-T-E. And we went to the movies and we saw The Chosen. And if you haven't seen The Chosen, you should really check it out. It's a really great series about the life of Jesus. And it's, it's not boring at all. It's so good. And we were watching the preview and the director of The Chosen, his name is Dallas Jenkins. And that movie that we watched like two months ago, The Resurrection of Gavin Stone about that famous guy. Okay, he, he directed that movie and it epically failed when it came out. It epically failed in theaters, in sales, in box office, whatever. Like it, it was, it didn't go how he wanted to. And he felt like an absolute failure. It was the lowest point in his career because he had these dreams that he was gonna do all these things for Jesus and all that. And so as he's sitting in the lowest moment of his life, at 4 a.m., this guy from Romania, somewhere across the world, sends him a random message. And he said, it is not your job to feed the 5,000. It is only to provide the loaves and fish. Because if you don't know that story, they brought their five loaves and their two fish, and then it turned in to enough to feed a crowd of over 5,000 people. And so he started this, the chosen now, which has gone absolutely insane. But when it went in theaters, he posted this video on his social media and he said, the results mean nothing to me because they're not mine. And so when you guys are shining your light, the result of you shining your light is not for you. You may never know the impact that you make in someone's life, but if you just give your five loaves and your two fish, you can trust God with the result. You can trust that he is going to shine through you. Your light will make an impact. It will make a difference. So the last question, how? How can you shine that light of yours that you have if you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Be faithful and obedient with your five loaves and two fish. So that maybe that, that looks like a smile at someone as you're walking by. Maybe that looks like holding open a door for somebody. Maybe that means paying for somebody's coffee. Maybe that means sending scripture to someone who's on your heart. Maybe it's asking your family to pray before a meal. Maybe it's getting on this stage and sharing a testimony. Maybe it's inviting someone to youth. Maybe it's doing the one in a thousand challenge. Maybe if you're 15 and older, it's going to El Salvador on a mission trip next June. Maybe it's serving on the, on the production team, on the worship team. Maybe it's getting baptized. Those are ways that you can shine your light. And then after that, you can trust God that he gets the glory. You can trust him with the result of it. You can trust that he is going to use you. But I understand that there are some people in this room who A, either don't believe that their light makes a difference, or B, do not have the light of Jesus Christ yet. And so every single time we have youth group, we provide an opportunity. And guys, if you're bored with this moment, if you're bored with the altar call or the salvation call, it's probably because you don't have someone in the room that you've brought that's living in extreme darkness where this could be their moment. Don't let it be a boring moment for you. And so we're gonna have this moment. We're gonna have this opportunity. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ to have this be your moment. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I just, I just don't want you to go through the motions of because it is important. So tonight, if that's you, 
and you're saying, I want the light of Jesus Christ. I want to shine for Jesus Christ. I don't have the light. I haven't been a follower of Jesus Christ, or I was a long time ago, and I've fallen away, and I'm living in darkness, and I'm trying to hide all these things, but tonight I want that to change. I want to turn a corner. I want my life to turn around, and I don't want to do it on my own, and I don't want the world to tell me how to do it. I want Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who came down and died for me and my sins so that I could be washed clean and made new. I want that man to do it. So if that's you tonight, and you're wanting to commit your life to Jesus Christ and have that light or recommit, I'm going to ask on the count of three that you raise your hand. One, this is your moment. Two, he deeply wants you to have his light. Three, if that's you tonight, committing your life to Jesus, you can raise your hand. Hands are still going up. You can put those hands down. So repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. I'm sorry. I've sinned. Please forgive me. I want to live for you. I trust you. I give you the glory. I give you my life. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And hey, I know I've been saying this. But if you made this decision, it's time to get baptized. That's showing the world of darkness that you're taking a stand to be the light. Delaney just got baptized last week. Liam Foster, Peyton Foster, they just got baptized last week. Take that next step. All you got to do is tell your small group leader, come find me, and we'll get it on a calendar and get you baptized any Sunday that you want. Now let's all stand, and let's get ready to worship. If you enjoyed today's message, I would encourage you to like it or share it on social media. Movement Youth for 6th through 12th graders meets on Wednesday nights, and the Point College Ministry meets on Sunday nights. We would love to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in.